0: Hello and welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Project 119 Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Mary and it's my pleasure on this Friday, October 27th, to welcome a guest to the podcast. Today we have reading for us John Scott. John and his wife Mary have been members of Mountain Brook Baptist for many years and I look forward to him talking a little bit about that at the end of the podcast. Thank you John for joining us today.
1: Mary, thank you for having me. Uh, The first reading today is from Matthew 27, uh, 45, verse 45 through verse 66 of Matthew's Gospel. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, leme sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine, vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection, and they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, and they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there, watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. And among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there was a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, The chief priest and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Uh, Next, we're going to read from Psalm 60. Uh, And it's, I think, important to note that in the commentary on Psalm sixty. It notes that this psalm was intended for a variety of uses, but especially to convey confidence in times of a national threat. I think that's so relevant to what's going on in the world today, particularly in Israel. You have rejected us, God, and burst upon us. You have been angry and now restore us. You have shaken the land and torn it open, Mend its fractures, for it is quaking. You have shown your people desperate times. You have given us wine that makes us stagger. But for those who fear you, you have raised a banner to be unfurled against the bow. Save us and help us with your right hand, that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from his sanctuary. In triumph, I will parcel out Shechem and measure off the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim is my helmet. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my wash basin. On Edom, I toss my sandal. Over Philistia, I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, God, you who have now rejected us and no longer go out with our armies? Give us aid against the enemy, for human help is worthless. With God we will gain the victory, and He will trample down our enemies.
0: Thank you so much, John, for joining the podcast today and for reading so beautifully for us. I want to hear a little bit about you, where you grew up. Tell me about your life and and maybe a little bit about your connection to Mount Mountbrook Baptist.
1: Okay. Well, I uh, I grew up in the Woodlawn area of Birmingham, so I've been a native of Birmingham and lived in Birmingham all of my life, uh, have Three siblings have two younger brothers and one older sister, and went to grammar school in the Crestwood area and went to Woodlawn High School. And after uh, after high school, I had planned to go to Birmingham Southern, uh, where my sister was already enrolled and she'd been there for a couple of years and. But I just had the urge to want to get away from Birmingham since I'd been here all my life. So I ended up at Auburn and went to Auburn four years and graduated. And while I was at Auburn is where I met my wife now of 53 years, uh, Mary, and um, met her through a, a blind date through a good good friend that I had uh, growing up, and he, he knew her. Uh, where she was enrolled in school because his sister went to school with Mary. And so uh, anyway, that's how we met. We got married right after uh, I finished college. Actually, I worked a little bit in Birmingham a few months because I had decided I was going to go to law school. And so met Mary and literally started law, law school two weeks after She and I got married, and we got settled in Birmingham, and we've been here ever since. We have two children. We have a daughter, and she lives in Decatur, Georgia, with her son, who just enrolled in college at the University of Georgia. And we have a son who has three sons, my three other grandsons. And they live in Mount Brook. These kids go to Mount Brook schools. One's in the elementary school, one's in the junior high, and one's at the high school.
0: Wonderful. Okay, I want to hear how you got connected with Mount Brook Baptist. Have you gone here your whole life?
1: No, I have not. In fact, I have not been a Baptist my whole life. I grew up in the Methodist Church at Woodlawn Methodist Church and went to church as early as I could remember in my life. My parents were certainly uh, connected with the church. and we, In fact, we literally grew, I literally grew up living behind the Methodist parsonage. So my family was very well connected with our pastor and his family. And so grew up as Methodist. And then after college and after Mary and I got married, she had been a lifelong member of Mount Brook Baptist Church. And it's funny, her parents never suggested or pushed us to go to Mount Brook Baptist Church, but I um, began visiting with Mary, and I met a fellow which most folks remember. They've been at the church for a while, Harold Williams, and Harold was bound and determined he was going to get Mary and I to join, and the funny thing about that, um, not only did he get us to join, but he uh, hired me, and so I went to work for the firm in which he was in. At that time, Balch, Bingham, Baker, Hawthorne, Williams, and Ward, and that's where I started my, actually, my legal practice and was there for 20, 24 years um, with him. Great person and uh, been, was a huge influence on my
0: life. As an attorney, are you still working full-time, or what is your schedule like?
1: Well, I would say I am working part-time. I am still employed, and I like it because I have an office, uh, and I have moved from doing court work to uh, conducting arbitrations, which I enjoy because it, I get to make my own schedule, um, I'm not dictated by the court as to when we meet when we're heard and so I listen literally listen to cases and rule on those cases as an arbitrator so it's it's very different from the the, the straight practice of law that I used to be involved in but it keeps me interested uh, I enjoy doing it I enjoy solving problems and uh, so that's sort of where I am right now in my professional life.
0: What are some things that you like to do?
1: I guess several hobbies. Um, I I do do like to play golf, although I've gotten worse and worse as older I've gotten. And and usually maybe once a week. But I I literally like to work in the yard, and I like to make things, build things. In fact, I'm always working, it seems like, with a project for one of my grandsons. I don't know how many cars that they, they race in the Pinewood Derby and Scouts. Uh, and then I have at my house, which I built had built in my garage, a a uh, train board. And I build the houses and the, all of the scenery and all, and I've been working on it. In fact, I, I did the most work I've ever done on it during the pandemic. Uh, and it g- gave me a lot of... Uh, enjoy doing that and then the, the boys come over and play the train run the trains usually break something and that gives me something to fix
0: i need to see a picture of this in fact if we can have a picture maybe we can post it on the okay. instagram i know that you teach sunday school in the miss pa sunday school class tell me about how you started teaching and what you enjoy about it
1: yeah well years ago gosh it's been at least 25 maybe 30 years ago Mary and I start, started coming to the realization that, you know, if you're in church, you ought to do more than just to come to get fed yourself. You, you ought to do something actively. So we both decided we would, would teach, and so we got asked to start teaching, uh, and I wanted, really wanted to start at the, at the ground up. So we started teaching what at that time was fairly formal at Children's Church, and we would teach that in the chapel each each Sunday. Met a lot of kids that are now grown um, and kind of moved up f- from that. And then at some point, we were asked to teach in the uh, youth department, and we taught uh, several years. And, and then eventually started teaching and ha- having a, an adult class and been doing that too. Uh, ever since.
0: What is the, one of the things that you enjoy about teaching?
1: Well, I, I think more than anything else, and I always tell them the class that I teach that uh, I get—I think I get more out of this than anybody could get out of it. I love preparing for it in many ways, like preparing for cases that I handle in the law practice, but just reading different commentaries, getting get maybe a little bit beyond what typically to, to read and st- study the Bible. So I I really enjoy preparing for it uh, each week, and as I say, it it means it means a lot, to, and has meant a lot to me in my spiritual walk.
0: Tell me a little bit more about your journey of faith.
1: Well, as, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I had been a Methodist for years and, until I was baptized and joined this church. And I was very involved in the uh, youth fellowship in the Methodist Church, particularly in the North Alabama Conference. I ended up going to becoming a counselor and then ultimately one of the workers at Camp Sumitanga in outside Birmingham, which is a Methodist camp. That's probably where I first got really, I think, much more serious about my walk and my faith. That sort of, uh, I guess, weakened over time in college, to be honest with you. But but as, as soon as I got back into going to church regularly, and particularly this church, I found so many opportunities to grow in, in faith with what being a member of this church has been has meant a lot to me.
0: Has there been a time or a season where you sense the Holy Spirit's presence with you in a palpable way?
1: Yeah, I would say there has been a number of times, different times in my life where I've felt that. But one that just sort of stands out to me is in 2006 when our daughter caught a pretty serious case of the flu. When she was living and had a two-year-old and was working in Denver with her husband, and she, uh, we got a call and we had to fly immediately to Denver, and she had gone into septic shock. Um, she was in a hospital, and we were given very, very discouraging comments about what the likelihood of her surviving. So we spent uh, 21 days in a waiting room. And then we found a little church outside the hospital, a little Episcopal church, very small chapel, and we would go there every day. And uh, just thinking back about it, the the impact of those days, waiting and praying, uh, you could just feel uh, the Spirit of God comforting and strengthening, and it kind of— I've always said it really supports that, that, that scriptural lesson about in weakness we find most strength in him. And that, that's one that really stands out to me as, a, as w- what the love and power of the Lord can, can mean in your life. Fortunately, she survived uh, and is literally visiting with us uh, this week, so... A good good ending, but uh, a, a story that I'll never forget.
0: Do you have a favorite book of the Bible or a verse that you might share with us?
1: I would say there's so many verses in Proverbs. I think about uh, uh, pride before the fall and uh, mm-hmm. iron sharpening iron, and all those things that that come to come forth from Proverbs. Because my mother. Having three boys, she used to constantly teach us by uh, citing proverbs, which I think has always been a great lesson book in the Bible. So it's favorite to me because I've got really good memories about her doing that. But I'd say, looking at the New Testament, I, I've really, I've really gone to love Mark because of that gospel. Uh, validates Christ, validates the the crucifixion, the resurrection, all in such a way because of when it was written. So it's special to me.
0: You told me recently that you're a part of a prison ministry, and I was very interested in hearing more. Will you tell us how you got involved and what you do for this ministry?
1: Yeah, I I think um, probably been six or seven years ago, I was introduced to a Bible study group that um, is conducted at the center in Birmingham, which is a men's ministry, and where my son now works. And um, I learned of the fact that there was a prison ministry, and they were trying to get volunteers and people that would go into prisons to teach from a study book called The True Measure of a Man that was written by Richard Simmons in Birmingham, who's started this ministry. Well, I have to say, I started out in fear of going into a prison, and then interacting with quote prisoners, inmates. I found that my fear was totally unfounded because it not only did they want you there, the men were just really receptive to listening and and to learning, and so it kind of evolved from that. Now we literally go into the dormitories themselves. So we see the guys, where they're living, uh, we interact with them. We're able really to build relationships over about a a 13 or so week period for each semester. And it's one of those things where you come out of it every day and you really feel good about what you see and what you witness. And again, it's all about the power of the the Lord working in those guys' lives. We we plant, hopefully we plant the right seeds, but but the Lord is one, obviously, that grows it.
0: John, it has been a pleasure to hear you talk about your life and how the Lord has led you along the way. Would you end our time together with prayer?
1: I'd be happy to, and I, I do th- thank you for considering me to do this because uh, this is things that we've talked about that I, I do enjoy uh, reminiscing about. Dear Lord, we just thank you for all that you have done for us in our life. We thank you for family, we thank you for um, the things that this Mountain Brook Baptist Church is not only meant to our family, but is meant to many, so many people in our life. We ask that you continue to guide and lead and support us in what we do. And we ask that you lead us in the path that your son demonstrated to us on this earth, that we continue to serve, that we continue to be have a servant heart in all that we do in this church. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name.